All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that all of you have come. And uh, I just want to add my appreciation and welcome to the Redmond Corral. It's been great to have you again. Uh, if you want to hear a fun performance, that'll be tonight right here. And we look forward to uh, getting to hear that. I've heard some previews, so I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we are closing up a series today of talks that I've been doing over the last four weeks called Praying Like Children. And the idea is that like children who can still be awed, who can still be impressed, who can still be stirred, and they don't have this kind of cynical cynicism that checks everything at the door of their heart. Uh, Can we approach God and the things of God in that kind of way? So that's what we've been talking about over these weeks. And we've kind of been taking off from a prayer that some of you learned uh, as children. And you probably prayed it at the dinner table. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And uh, today we're talking about our food. We've been talking about how great God is, how good he is. Uh, those ways that we go about thanking Him, living a thankful life to Him. And today we're talking about that part in the prayer where He says, our food. And I'm going to suggest to you that we think about food in a more substantial way than just uh, some things that you can consume. But before we get there, I want to remind us about God's greatness because we've been enjoying this reflection on how big and how awesome. And so much that we've been able to, uh, to observe uh, in terms of his galactic presence is because of the technology in that Hubble telescope. Uh, what a remarkable thing uh, that that has proven to be to scientific discovery and scientific study. Uh, the Hubble is up there now, you know, just shooting pictures away and helping us continue to capture what's out there in the universe. Uh, It's about the size of a school bus, one of those yellow buses that you get behind and you're wondering how you'll get around it. Uh, It's about that size, and it's out there just capturing uh, frame by frame uh, a universe for us to behold. And, of course, you're aware that in our own neighborhood, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. And we've been talking about how big our galaxy is. It's a... Uh, a very big place. It's 100,000 light years from one end to the other. If you were to do that in a diameter and you say, what's a light year? Well, if you were able to travel 186,000 miles per second every second for a year, which would be 5.88 trillion miles, that would be a light year. A 100,000 light years, the diameter of our Milky Way, means it would take you traveling at the speed of light a hundred thousand years to go from one end to the other. And of course we live, uh, our little neighborhood of the Milky Way is a part of a, um, a what is referred to as the local group of galaxies. We, we are neighbors with about 30 other galaxies that are uh, the closest to us in proximity. And out of those 30 galaxies that we're most close to, The big boy in the neighborhood is the Andromeda Galaxy, which is 2.5 million light years from us. So, yeah, take us 2.5 million years traveling at the speed of light to be able to go visit that next galaxy over there. 
Now, if you just really want to back out and see how big God can get, uh, go about 25 million light years. And then you get to look at the pinwheel galaxy, which is a huge galaxy. It's twice the size of the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy has about 200 billion stars like our sun in it. Double the galaxy and the number of stars when you start looking at the pinwheel galaxy. Not far enough. Let's go 31 million light years out. And there we're at the Whirlpool galaxy. And we talked quite a bit about that last week. I'm not going to spend any more time on it. But here's the deal. This shot that you're looking at right now is not just a starry night where you're getting to look up in the blackness of the sky and see a number of stars, what you're actually looking at there is a galaxy cluster. What you're actually looking at there are thousands and thousands and thousands of galaxies which have billions and billions and billions of stars which have their own solar systems, planets, and so on like that. How big is God? The psalmist tells us that it was by the word of the Lord that the heavens were made. That God is responsible for creating all that there is in this huge, huge universe. Now, just to bring that back to our neighborhood a little bit, back into the Milky Way, to get real up close to our little cul-de-sac, right? There I have marked our sun for you because you can't see it. It's too small in that shot of the galaxy to tell where our sun is and even ridiculously to think you can find our planet or you on that planet. And yet God knows exactly where you are, who you are, what's going on in your life. And we've been talking about the the miracle that life is. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that God formed us in our inward parts. He declared, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we've been reflecting on how fearfully and wonderfully made we are, we were reminded that God uh, made it so. That with one cell from your father and one cell from your mother uniting created the one cell that is you. And in that one cell that will multiply over and over again, in that one cell is your DNA, which has over three billion characters in it. Something of a blueprint of determining who you're going to become and how you're going to develop to where you eventually become a person of 75 trillion cells. But forget all that molecular kind of stuff. You know, a three-pound brain that can process a million messages per second made up of over 100 billion neurons. Just forget all that for a moment. Because in the miracle that you are, God knows your name. In fact, the Bible says God knew you before the foundation of the world. 
before he created all that universe, he had you and the other nearly seven billion that are on this planet and all the billions that have preceded us. He had us in mind before the creation of this universe. Not only knowing you by name, which is to say he knows your full essence. He doesn't just know your tag, what people call you. He knows your complete essence, all the intricacies of who you are. Down to the minutiae. That's why the Bible says he knows even the number of hairs that are on your head. I'm about to have a brain explosion. I can't comprehend all this. He's, not only does he know you this well with all of your unique, shall we even say quirky, unusual personality traits, potential, all your screw-ups, missteps. He even has a plan. He has a purpose for your life so that it makes a difference that you ever drew breath. How big is that God who can focus that small on someone like you and someone like me so that he even knows what our problems are? He knows what our pain is. He knows where you're struggling and where you're anxious right now. So we've been saying over these weeks, God is great. And the way that he interacts with us, we can see and we can tell God is good. And so let us thank him. Let us live lives of gratitude to him. Let us honor him, exalt him, worship him. Let us give ourselves to him in all of his magnificence, trusting that our little life could be in no better place than in the hands of a masterful, brilliant, kind and loving God. You say, how do you do that, Scott? How do you go about honoring, exalting, thanking God? Well, let me just say to you, it's not like you would uh, with Facebook. All right. You know how it goes with Facebook and all those relationships. You can become a fan of somebody and you can kind of click around on their site and see a little bit about their background, a little bit about who they are. Listen, the Bible is not your fan page. It's not where you just go in and you go, I don't even know who this God is. Oh, that's his friend and that's his friend and that's his friend. Moses and David and all these other kinds of God. And, and he did. He went this place. He did that. It's way more than that. And, of course, a fan is somebody that just uh, has a little interest or maybe all the way over to some admiration. But there's no real living, dynamic kind of connection. And God, in His greatness and goodness, invites us to draw near so that we can have connection. So we can actually... Know him as a personal relationship. They say, well, I'm still not sure I get what that can be like. Well, Jesus is the one that shows us how do you know God? How do you do life with God? How do you properly honor and exalt and worship such a great and good God? And I just want to reflect with you for a second on a story that's told in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4... There's an interesting phrase that leads into the whole story. And the phrase is this. Jesus found it necessary to go through Samaria. Now, if you know anything about the old Jewish history stuff, you know that uh, 
in those days, a good Jew would have nothing to do with a Samaritan, people that lived in that area called Samaria. And so if you had to travel from the south, as Jesus did, to go to the north, you would not take that straight route that would take you through Samaria. You would take a longer detour to go around Samaria to get to the north. And Jesus needed to go from the south to the north. And he says to his disciples, his traveling companions, I must go through Samaria. Well, you can imagine the question mark that began to pop all around his disciples. Like, must go through Samaria? Okay. But they're following him. And when he gets into Samaria, they stop at this ancient watering hole, a well that was uh, established centuries before by a guy named Jacob. So the, here they are at Jacob's well. And um, they sit down to rest a little bit. And the disciples say, you know what, we're going to go off to town and get some food. You stay here and rest. And so Jesus is sitting there by the well resting. And here comes a woman in the middle of the day to draw some water. And as she begins to draw some water, Jesus says to her, would you give me a drink? Well, this was shocking. Men didn't talk to women very often in those days, certainly not in public and certainly not a Jew and a Samaritan. And he asked her for a drink and she's incredulous. How could you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? He goes, well, I'm thirsty. Would you give me a drink? And this opened up a conversation that began to talk about the person of God, the plans of God. The greatness of God. Jesus had never met this woman before. And yet, somehow, he knew everything about her. And as he began to talk to her about her life and talk to her about a great, good God and how those two could connect, she was dumbfounded. Because this is a woman that was kind of broken, kind of, kind of busted up. Uh, for whatever reasons, uh, she had really struggled to know what it was like to have a love relationship in her life. And she had, in fact, gone through five husbands and now was living with a guy to whom she was not married. And Jesus said, listen, if you knew how much God wants to have a relationship with you, you'd be asking me for water, an eternal drink that would quench a thirst that's down at the soulish level. Well, in that exchange, she connected with God. And she was so excited, she ran off back to the town to tell everyone about how they also could know this great, good God. And while she's dashing off to the town, the disciples are coming back. And it's like they're crossing paths and they brought lunch, right? And so they're getting ready to unpack the lunch and they're beginning to eat. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, come on, uh, join us and let's eat. And here's where we pick up uh, the passages I wanted you to reflect on. John 4:32. the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. And Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. I have food. Let us thank him for our food. I have food that you don't know about. That you don't fully understand. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? Where did you get food? And Jesus said in verse 34, my food is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father. To do the will of the one who sent me. So that I can accomplish his work. 
Now, there's other passages in the Bible that we could refer to where food is understood to be the carrying out of God's will in your life. The accomplishing of God's purposes and God's mission in your life. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him. How do we thank Him? With our food. With our carrying out His purposes, His plans. By our following His lead, His cues, His promptings, His stirrings that go on in us all the time. So this is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. God is communicating with us all the time. But unlike children, we've come to a point where we have so filled ourselves with the concerns of this world and the worries of this world, and it's all been kind of tainted and colored by cynicism and by skepticism, that we have all kinds of filters and blocks that hinder our being able to have this, this exchange with God. And so for those of us that struggle with stirrings and promptings and shall we even say hearing the inaudible whispers of God in your life, what we have been contending for here is, hey, just ask God, God, would you pinch me? If you want me to be about something, to do something, to go somewhere, if there's something you're up to with me like that, just pinch me. And so around here we've been talking about how God's been pinching us and how we've been responding to that. And how dynamic and exciting and, and the difference that God is making, not just in potential big ways, but in such small ways that kind of add up to make a bigger difference. And to get into that a little bit, I wanted to ask Becky to come and talk with me for just a minute. So uh, most of you know Becky Wilson. She is married to Jared and uh, she hails from back in Pennsylvania. So she's not a native Northwesterner. Neither am I. Uh, she works uh, in the gaming industry where she does some marketing. If Pokemon means anything to you, you know something about her world. And uh, why don't you have a seat and chat with me for just a moment. But uh, before we were even talking about such things around here, like, uh, yeah, grab a mic, like uh, God's promptings and stirrings and pinches and all this kind of stuff, you kind of had that happen for you. Uh, that has kind of occupied your Saturdays. Why don't you say a word to us about that? Um, a lot of people know, just from word of mouth around it, um, Jennifer and I have been going downtown every Saturday and giving out sandwiches and fruit and water and socks and everything to kind of the homeless. And um, that really just started, um, I you know wasn't looking for it. I, I didn't know it was coming. Jennifer just kind of, Hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Nothing. What do you want to do? She's like, let's go downtown and feed the homeless. Now I have to. Entrapment, you know. So, um, and I just did, and um, and it was wonderful. And I just sort of felt God saying, "What else are you going to do with your Saturdays? Just keep doing it." So, yeah, yeah. so in the middle of all this, you kind of got, if I can use that word, pinch, mm -hmm. and it seemed like. Uh, God wanted you to do something around your birthday, which it happens to be a wonderful day. Same birthday as my birthday. <laughs> and um, and uh, God gave you a little pinch of it, which is a big deal to you. You normally mm -hmm. have a kind of a little yeah. party thing that is something of note. But mm -hmm. something different was to happen this year. What happened? Um, opposite of Scott, I normally make a huge deal about my birthday uh, the entire month of May. And um, so this year I felt like God was saying... Um, why don't we move the focus a little bit away from you and a little bit more on me? 
And um, so I had um, work friends, um, Jared's work friends, uh, church friends, um, everyone, you know, we sort of know. We met over on Brookside, and I asked everyone, I'm turning 30, so bring me 30 presents. Um, so everyone brought 30 toothbrushes, toothpaste, bottles of water, socks, um, whatever, and then we made supplies bags that um, we could use on Saturdays to hand out to everyone. It was really neat. It was um, a very different kind of way to celebrate. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved it. So the pinch kind of continued so that God even brought another thing to your mind that has yet to happen, even mm-hmm. though your birthdays are tasks, that you, you still think might happen. Yeah, what, yeah. What's that? Um, I, I was reading through Luke 14, and um, Jesus tells a parable about a rich man who um, is throwing a banquet, and he sends his servants out to gather all of the guests, which are affluent, you know, rich people, and their response is, I'm busy, I've got a naggy wife, uh, I just can't make it, I can't make it. And so the rich man says, this is unacceptable, and he sends his servants back out to gather in the lame, the, lime, the, lame, the blind, the beggars, and brings them in, and they are the guests at the banquet. And so I felt this just, um, uh, you know, God was just saying, do this. So um, I am pretty sure that was kind of going in motion. In September, we're going to be throwing um, a banquet, um, just a very nice feast for the people that we minister to on Saturdays. So yeah. we'll see what comes of that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh-huh. That's, that sounds fun. Well, uh, this is this season, if we can call it that, mm-hmm. has uh, been, I think, kind of remarkable for you because when we're talking about this kind of live, living, dynamic interchange uh, with God and, and God kind of communicates with us, stirs us, prompts us, whispers to us, pinches us, whatever. Uh, even though there's some responsiveness going on for you about that right now, it hasn't always been that way. Yeah, very so, recent. So uh, in, in prior times, what's been going on? Um, I think prior to literally the past six months of my life, um, I, I struggled a lot to know what God's will was for me. Um, what school does God want me to go to? Where does God want me to live? What guy does God want me to marry? Um, what does God want me to have for dinner? And you just get so wrapped up in, oh, i got to do God's will, i got to do God's will. But since I wasn't getting heavenly declarations, um, I just kind of went into autopilot and let um, my culture tell me what I should be doing. So... I went to a good school, I married a real hot, attractive guy, I bought a really big house, Um, I just kind of, I did just what we were expected to do, Um, but I wasn't satisfied with it, and around when I started in Meadowbrook, my small groups can tell you, I started asking, can someone truly live the Jesus-transformed life in suburban Redmond, in my big house, my nine-to-five job, just is it actually possible? And um, I just I, I came to the point where I decided that um, faith without action was a colossal waste of time, and that um, it, I was I was wasting my time. I was wasting God's time. I just asked, what was the point? And so I was faced with two decisions: um, I could give up my faith utterly and completely, or I could immediately change my life to reflect my faith and God's involvement in my life daily. Um, so obviously I chose B. <laughs> but um, that meant that 
basically from that moment, I, I couldn't let um, insecurity and uncertainty um, prevent me from doing what I know God wanted me to do and what I really wanted to do and what he could do through me. Um, I, uncertainty and security, they aren't faith and they don't build faith. And so I don't blame God for not giving them to me. So um, I basically, I resolved to stop letting my lack of that sort of divine blueprint neon go here sign um, from letting me do those things. Uh, and I actually made a commitment to God to do any little crazy thing that he put in my head, which okay. I think makes Jared nervous. <laughs> but there you go, because what you just described, I think, has happened to a lot of people that we might call the paralysis that comes from yeah. analysis. And you, you just kind of stop doing all this analyzing and just say, okay, God, any little crazy thing I feel like you wanted me to do, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Including the, um, shall we say, reworking and reorientation of your blog. And I put your mm -hmm. blog address on the screen because I, I think it's of, of note that some of our friends might want to uh, check out. But at one point, the blog just kind of chronicled your journey mm -hmm. in weight-related challenges and, and victories that you're having so on and then yeah. you decided God wanted to do something whole new with it what was that um, it, it was um, walking through that the process of losing a lot of weight and I had a lot of followers and um, I felt like God was saying because um, I'm a writer you know you can really put this you know a lot of these things that I'm telling you out there how, how do I do it how do I do that well it occurred to me the name of my blog was um, live it out every day and that what God was doing with um, changing my faith in my life. So um, I basically completely changed the blog. I'm sure there are some ladies on diets right now who are very confused when they attend my blog. Um, but I just felt like um, it was the perfect avenue to really share with all of my friends, Christian, non-Christian, everyone, um, kind of what I was going through. Yeah. And uh, one of your recent reflections kind of encapsulated uh, this little s season that we've all been in about responding to the pinches of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought you had some some important reflections. Would you share what those were from that yeah. day? Um, I was a little... I, I, you hear a lot of stories about um, people who get these big pinches and, oh, I have exactly the amount of money in my wallet that this man needs for you know prescriptions. And those just they inspire me and stir me. And so I think that was my expectation when I said, God, pinch me. Um, but I found that it manifested very differently um, in very small ways. And so the three things I felt God was kind of teaching me that um, one, in order for me to be an instrument into people's lives that God can work through, I have to be in people's lives. I have to be in contact with people. Um, my previous schedule just kind of work to, you know, home to work to home again. And the only other person I interact with is Jared and maybe my small group. There's not even opportunity for God to work through me. So the first was to put myself in points where I'm in contact with other people. Um, the second was even when I'm among those people, I have to see them, like not just walking down the street, but see every person that I'm passing. Um, normally, if you ask me what the gender of the person who sat beside me on the bus was, I couldn't even tell you. I wasn't even registering a human being sitting beside me, let alone a human being that might have needs that God could meet through me. So I just had to begin seeing people. And it's kind of exhausting, 
but um, very worth it in the end. Um, and then um, just the last part is that it doesn't have to be um, a huge thing to make a big difference. Um, a lot of the little things I felt God was telling me is, um, you know, walking down the street, I might see a man, and instead of, you know, doing the normal over your eyes, you know, leftover kind of New Yorker thing, um, that, you know, look him in the eye and just smile. I don't even have to say anything to him, but maybe he needed that day just to be recognized as a human being from another human being. Um, or even um, Jared and I went for a bike ride yesterday, and we biked past Home Depot, and there are a lot of the day laborers that stand outside, and um, at least for us, it was a really hot day yesterday. So uh, we stopped at Home Depot, picked up a bunch of cold sodas, and just kind of passed them out to the guys standing there. And they were so grateful that, and again, I didn't, you know, I'd have to stand there. I didn't have to be like, here's your track, here's, you know, the gospel and everything. Just that contact and a God bless you was um, what God led us to do, so... Well, it's fun to me to see what God's been doing with you. And I'm not just looking forward to September. I'm looking forward to next week because every <laughs> week something is unfolding. And if you're interested to see how some of that's working out in her, check out the blog, of course. But we're also interested to hear from, from them. And so uh, we want to be able to know what's going on with you and, and uh, be sharing some of these stories with your share group. And uh, on Sundays when we gather, let's have a little chat out in the lobby and just talk about these kinds of things. Thanks so much for letting us have a little peek in on your own experience. God bless you. Definitely. Thank you. So when we're talking about trying to move past paralysis that comes from too much analysis, I think that this is a very important verse for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, where Paul admonishes us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whether you're sitting on a bus or you're riding your bike through Home Depot parking lot or whatever you do, just have a God awareness, a God awakening. What might God be doing in you? And what might he do through you? Uh, whatever restaurant, uh, whatever is going on in your cubicle, your cul-de-sac, whatever, to be responsive to how he's interacting with you. And uh, if you're a little bit challenged on, you know, that engagement with God, then we're just saying, well, then pray. God, pinch me. And some of us, uh, you, some of you have told me you've had literal feelings in an elbow, an arm or whatever. It seemed like God pinched you in that moment. So that... It may sound silly, but uh, we're finding that God's uh, interacting with us in these silly kinds of ways. Now, here's the deal, particularly if you have been around the church for a long time. You're going to be tempted to be dismissive and say, well, wasn't that nice what that young lady shared? That's nice when that happens for people. And you're going to miss that this has been an appointment that God has sought to have with you for a similar kind of dynamic thing to take place in you. Now, here's what we, particularly those of us that have been in church for a while, here's how we handle that kind of stuff. You know that 1 Corinthians 10 verse? I, I ought to think about that. I ought to examine that one real hard. I wonder what that says in the Greek. It just says glorify God in whatever you do. Take that in the Greek and it says glorify God in whatever you do. Now, can you imagine a few years ago when my children were small, if uh, I said to one of my sons, son, I want you to go and clean your room. 
And sometime later, I noticed that he hadn't. And I come up to him and say, son, why is your room not clean? He goes, well, I'm studying that. I'm thinking about that real hard. In fact, I've memorized. You said, go clean your room. I memorized it exactly. And I'm like, I'm not interested in you memorizing it. I want you to clean your room. He goes, but Dad, Dad, I've got friends coming over this afternoon, and we're actually going to study. What would it look like if my room was clean? (laughs) Just do it. Just do it. So... Let me wrap up with this, because what we're talking about is eternity. And so I've got uh, a little rope here that I want you to do some imagination with me about. So imagine with me that this rope represents eternity. All right. And it just goes on and on. Pretend like it has no beginning. All right. And. Eternity just goes on and on and on and on, right? And then you see down here at this end, this little highlighted black end, that's your life. If God gives you 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, friends, that's it compared to all of eternity. And yet, where is all of our focus? All of our focus is not on the bigness of God and all the greatness of God and the eternity that God's going to be all about and how He's preparing us in this little window for all of that. Our focus is all about here. Actually, just a little slice of here today. How am I going to make it today? How am I going to overcome this problem? How am I going to survive this challenge? How am I going to make enough money so that I can be okay in that little window called retirement? How are my investments going to be? How am I going to handle this economic crisis? On and on and on and on we go, friends. I'm not saying those things are unimportant. I'm just saying relative to all eternity. They're, they're like a wink. They're like a a mist. In fact, the Bible says your life in in the scheme of eternity is like a breath. How long was your life here on earth in the flesh? That's it. And so, friends, when we talk about connecting with God and enjoying His goodness and living a life that is in concert with Him and in harmony with Him and responsive to His little promptings and whispers and pinches and things like that. Friends, that's all about leveraging this little life we have so that we can maximize all of eternity. Listen, sometimes people look at me and they see how I live, how how I give my money away, how I give my time away, how I give my life away. And they go, man, like you're crazy. Why would you do that? And I'm like, man, do you know what eternity is? You're crazy. How could you spend so much time focusing on something that's so temporary when the eternal thing lies before you? And so let me finish with this. Because you've got to consider in this appointment that we have with God right now, what are you going to do with what you've been hearing? Will you... Follow Christ. 
the one who shows us how to be connected to God, the one who shows us how to be responsive to God, the one who shows us how to live in light of the fact that God is great, God is good, so that we live a thankful, exalting, worshipful life to Him with our food, with our carrying out His will and His purposes and His plans. Will you follow Him? Not like a Facebook follower who just kind of observes at a distance, but like a real-life follower who actually goes where Jesus goes and does the things that He's stirring you to do. Experiencing all that He has for you to experience. Will you purpose to glorify God with whatever, with whatever you do? Let me pray for you. If you'd bow your head for just a moment. Father, I just want to pray for every friend in the house today or anybody listening to this later that your spirit would effectively grip each heart. Grip us so that we can be free of the temporal. Free of the things that are relatively unimportant on the scheme of eternity. Oh, God, set us free to walk with you well, to know you deeply, to live purposefully, for it to make a difference that we drew a breath in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.